Good morning, church. Jerome, I wish you hadn't led that song before I got up, but that song gets me every time. It's powerful. Why, why he would do that for us. All right, I'll try to collect myself. Oh, uh, if you have your Bibles, um, go ahead and begin turning over to um, Matthew chapter 5. Let me get situated here. Uh, I wanted to make a few comments um, about the bulletin and about this card, okay? Uh, when, when you come in, and most of you are very familiar with this, you know much more about this than I do, but you're handed a card, fill out the information, you'll pass it in t- toward the end, but on the back, um, there's a, um, in, in the box, it says, my next step today is to, and then, we, so we have Matthew 5, yeah, Matthew 5:48 on there, it says, memorize this particular verse, and then, <clears throat> what is the connection between being perfect and loving others as yourself? Uh, how specifically can you practice that idea this week? And so each week now there's a little question, verse, challenge. Uh, I just want to call your attention to that and uh, so that during the week take this home. Well, I guess you can't. You're, you're turning it in. So take a picture of it on your phone. I'm learning. I'm learning. And, uh, and, and then you can have that. The other is that um, there's a little outline on the back side of the bulletin to follow along today. Okay. So now, that's, that's a little bit of a trouble to figure out before I get up here exactly where I'm going. I have to put this together. So I want to see you writing, okay, while we, while we go through this. Okay, that's, that's the challenge for you today. Um, today we, we complete the trifecta of loving God. They asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? Jesus said to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. We've looked at loving God in worship last week in Isaiah chapter 6. The week before that, loving others, Jesus and, and the, uh, the man who was born blind in John chapter 9. And today, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Okay, now, I need you to listen because when, even when I said that, there's all kinds of thoughts racing through your head, pro and con. I need you to listen. So you won't be like the the 92-year-old that went to the doctor. Now, I just need to make sure. I haven't told you about this guy, have I? Because I forget which story. I only got like four stories, okay, that are funny. And I've used three of them, I think. So hang on to this one. It's going to be the last one for a while, I think. So the 92-year-old guy goes to the doctor for a checkup. And uh, uh, about a week later, he's walking downtown, you know, like they used to back in the day. And the doctor sees him, and he's walking up the street, um, with this hot, young, blonde, 30-year-old, and he's just whistling. I mean, he's just having a great time. And Doc walks up to him and goes, what, what, what in the world are you doing? He said, I'm just doing what you said, Doc. You said, get a hot mama and be cheerful. He said, I didn't say that. I said, you've got a heart murmur, be careful. <laughs> so, got to listen. Okay? Got to listen. Or it gets us all uh, in trouble. Go. Go back. Bernard of Clairvaux um, said this a long time ago, and we're going to come back to Bernard uh, later on in the sermon. But he says this, Love is the foundation of life, and the soul which does not drink from it cannot be alive. We understand that. We say yes to that. 
I get that. That, that. that the world, that this whole created process revolves around this, this concept of love. Um, when, when you think about, let me, let me knock some of these out. When you think about loving yourself, there are several other passages that kind of are similar. What Jesus says here about love your neighbor as you love yourself is not, is not anything new. Leviticus 19, verse 18, verse 34, uh, James 2. James calls it the royal law of Scripture. I mean, this is, this is the royal law of Scripture. But Paul says this in, in, in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse 28 and 29. That is that men are to care for your wife like you care for yourself, right? And his point is because you take care of yourself, you, you, you clothe yourself. We get that. But then he says this, he who loves his wife loves himself. Now, now think about the logic behind what Paul just said. If you love your wife, then it's evident that you do love yourself. And so I want us to think about today, what does it mean um, to, to love self? Bernard Clairvaux said this, and I want you to think this through with me before we go to Matthew chapter 5. Bernard Clairvaux, uh, 10th century monk. Um, a lot of his writings are still around today. But his most popular is the four levels of love. And this is what he said about it. Level one. He said, level one is, I love me for my sake. Right? Hopefully most of those people in that level of love have gone down to children's worship. That's kind of the, the level, right? Little ones, when they get hungry, they scream when they're dirty or their diaper needs to be changed. They let the world know, here I am. I love me for my sake. The world revolves around me. Right? It's a very immature love. By the way, for those children, that's a very appropriate level of love. For us that are adults, we should have moved on uh, by now. Level two, he says, I love you for my sake. Puppy love, infatuation, um, adolescence, right? I, I, I love you because you make me feel good. You make me look good when I'm with you. I love you because of what you do for me. It's a, it's a process that everybody goes through. First stage is, I love me for my sake. Second stage is, I love you for my sake. Still haven't matured. But here's what he said, level three. I love you for your sake. Some maturity here. I know what your needs are. Uh, I care about you. I'm concerned about you. I love you. I'm, I'm willing to do what I can to bless you. And so I love you for your sake. And most people, when they look at this particular level, think that's the highest level of love. That, that sounds like agape love in, in Scripture. Right? And, it, and, and it is a very mature level of love. There's a problem with level three. That we'll come to in just a little bit. And, and, and the issue is this. If you're not careful, you get burned out continuing to give and to serve and to love and to go beyond. And if you're a mother that has more than one child, even if you just have one child, you realize the potential of burnout in continuing to give. Not only mothers, but ministers. There's thousands of them who are doing all kinds of other jobs today because they jumped in and they started loving and they started serving and they burned out. He said the highest level of love that most people, that rarely uh, do people get to is this. I love me for your sake. You say, come on, preacher. 
Come on, Cedric, you can't say that. I love me for your sake. Here's what level four says. Everything in the world, everything about life is given to us by God. And we are to look to use everything that's been given to us by God to bless other people. The best way that I can bless another is to learn how to take care of myself. Is to learn how to, to be able to say no. So I just want you to start thinking about this. I want to throw this into the, to the whole pot for you to be thinking about. Because I understand that when we talk about loving self, here's the elephant in the room. Here's the elephant in the room. But in Jesus, aren't we called to continue to give and to love and to serve? And see, if you're not careful, what happens is you're going to, preacher, you're going to start sounding like the, the 60s movement of the self-esteem movement, right? And, and, and life is, is supposed to all be, uh, be all about you. Sinners, if you're not careful, you're going to sound like Muhammad Ali who went around saying, I am, oh, come on, I am, let me give you a, nudge, a, a, a tougher challenge. Terrell Owens went around saying, I love me. No? Come on, Steve. Terrell Owens went around saying, I love me some me. That's what he's famous for. I love me some me. See, if you're not careful, that's what, that's what you're sounding like. See, Jesus, Jesus wasn't saying that there were two categories here. What Jesus was basically saying is that you love your neighbor as you love yourself. It's a given. And I think there's some truth to that. But how is it that I learn how to live with myself? How is it I learn um, to love myself? Because I don't want to be narcissistic. I don't want life, I don't want to think that life revolves around me, right? Narcissism, looking, every pond is a reflection of myself, navel gazing, all of those terms that you've heard. Right? You've come into contact with these people, right? Drama queens, everything is a drama, it's a challenge. Everything, the world is upside down, I can't figure things out, right? You run into also conflict magnets. Everywhere they go is just conflict, conflict, conflict. And they're loud. They typically are loud. Do you ever notice that? Right? And you've never caught a fish in your life that's bigger than the fish they caught on the last trip. You, you, ever, you ever figure that out? You say, yeah, well, I went fishing the other day. I got, I got Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing at all. I'm going to tell you right now. I caught one, and they're always loud. And you ought to hear the pickup truck that I have that I drive around to go get the fish. I mean, there's a, it's the loudest one out there. You ought to see the size of my tires, right? Say, Lord, he loves himself too much. I get it. But here's what I believe. Even though we understand that category, in my experience in life, most people struggle on the other end. Struggling with who, who I am in Christ. What does it mean to love myself? What does it mean to have a healthy view of myself so that I have the ability to love others? Practically, here's what we know. That if I don't have a healthy view of myself, I struggle with allowing another person to love me. 
Not only that, they told us that if I have a if I have a low view of myself, I tend then to have a negative view of those that are trying to love me. Is any of the, you, you resonate with any of this? Right? If I don't under, if I don't love myself, if I don't understand who I am, when somebody tries to love me, not only do I have a challenge in receiving it, but I tend to have a negative view of them trying to love me. Take it one step further. Not only that. I don't love myself, I tend to attract other people who don't love themselves and who reinforce my view of myself. I sat in Louisiana for two and a half months before I moved here on my back porch counseling a young woman who's exactly going through every one of these. Been married twice. There's a young man who is just wonderful, who loves her. And she struggled to even be attracted to him. Because of her view of self. And that's what I think most of us, if we're really honest, that's where we have our challenges and have our issues. God, what does it mean? How do I do this? Um, Here's what I would say. Loving self ultimately is this. Loving self means that through Jesus Christ... Get that qualifier. Through Jesus Christ, I learn to have peace with myself. That through Jesus, I learn to have peace with myself. That I allow Jesus Christ in His His life, His death, His burial, His resurrection, and His ascension, and then my commitment to Jesus, I allow Jesus to save me from myself. Now, here's why I say that. How are we going to do this? How do we love self? I want to start with... I'm going to go back. John 3.16. I want to start with the opposite side of what it means to love myself. And so I went back and I looked at all the translations of John 3.16. The old, the medium, the new. And here's the way John 3.16 is rendered every time. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not, tell me, perish. I said perish. Every translation has perish in it. From King James all the way to the newest. If you look at, by the way, if you go through different Bibles and you you look at different verses in, in other places, the translators will change words. They'll update words. This word has not changed ever. Perish. What does that mean? Well, when you start to do a little um, word search, you find out that the word literally means to destroy. To destroy. But it's in middle voice. Right? You English and you language lovers. Active voice. um, I kicked the dog. Passive voice. The dog kicked me. Right? But there's middle voice. I hit myself with the bat. I did something to myself. The word for destroys in middle voice could literally be translated, for God so loved the world that He gave His His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him will not destroy themselves. I want you to think about that particular translation theologically. Because when I think about my own life, there are a lot of decisions and things that I got involved with that um, were not good for me. Why does a person do that? Why does a person um, have 
have thoughts and actions that literally are destroying them. I think of Michael Jackson. He had everything he could ever want from the beginning, from the time he came on to this planet. And he literally destroyed himself. You can think of hundreds of cases. You know in your life you've done things that start to work, that chip away at who you are. And here's what, here's what John 3.16 I think is saying to us. God sent Jesus so we no longer have to destroy ourselves. Oh, thank you, God, for Jesus. That's an amen there. Thank God for Jesus. There you go. That's my amen section this morning. I told them when I look at them, they got to be ready. Okay? So it begins with the opposite side. That um, the opposite of loving self is I'm destroying myself. But here's another one. All right, Matthew chapter 5. And um, this is an interesting text. This one's, this one's a challenge. Starting in verse 43. Here's what Jesus said. Sermon on the Mount. Now, you've heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, which I personally wish Jesus would have stopped right there. I can do that. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. He causes His Son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are you not, are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your brothers, what are you doing more than others? Don't even pagans do that. Here we go. Be perfect, even as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I asked people for many years, here's the first question that you have to, you don't have to, you don't have to raise your hand. Did Jesus mean that? To be perfect like God is? Well, I don't know. I can't, I can't be perfect. I can't be perfect like God. So Jesus must not have meant that. So then, here's our interpretation. So what Jesus meant is, do your best. And get out there, give it a shot, do your best. You know, try. If you can't, it's okay. Jesus didn't mean it. But here's the deal. The Word doesn't mean sinless perfection. The Word is, in the Greek, teleos, which means... Uh, complete. It means whole. It's where we get the idea of the telescope, the old, uh, the old pirates' telescope, right? That they just they unfold it. Teleos means I've gotten it to the end. I've stretched it out as far as it will go, and so it's at the end, so that I can see as much as I'm going to see. Um, and, and that's kind of the idea. It means total completeness, wholeness. That's what the word perfection means. That, that again, in, in, in English, we, we've translated it perfection. But the context means everything here. What is the context? Jesus throws this beautiful statement out at the end of this section here of Scripture. And here's what Jesus says. Perfection, being like God in this context, has to do with your enemies. And here's what Jesus said. I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. 
And by the way, the prayer for your enemies is, Dear Lord, would you take them off the planet? That is not the prayer for your enemies. Okay? How would you bless them today? You give them a good day. Would you watch over? And we learn how to love our enemies. Because here's what Jesus said. Look, God's, God is just that way. He sent the sunshine today on the righteous and the unrighteous. He sends the rain on the good, the bad, and the ugly. And yet you're going to show up as a created being and go, not me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be like that. One of the ways that we are closest to God is when we learn how to love and pray for and forgive people. And so the reason I put this one up here is because we need to learn to practice godly perfection. Loving, praying for, forgiving our enemies. Because here's one of the greatest statements I ever heard. It's not mine. But when we do not forgive people like God through Jesus has forgiven us, it's just like drinking poison and hoping the other person dies. Now think about it. I'm going to drink this poison and I hope you die. Unforgiveness. And what unforgiveness does is it begins to work all kinds of things in our minds, in our hearts, and in our bodies. Right? And we hold a grudge when we're angry, when we're upset with somebody. I mean, we're, we're, uh, you're not going to treat me like that. We release all kinds of chemicals and hormones in our body that go and they start to eat away at our heart and they start to eat away at our stomach. We are one of the most heavily medicated countries on this globe. Because one of the reasons is we've never learned how to love like Jesus loves, even though we assemble in churches each week. I want to learn how to forgive. I want to let it go. I want to, I want to love and forgive like Jesus loved me. And I want to tell you something, it's difficult and it's a challenge. But here's what I believe. Any commands that we read in Scripture are not arbitrary from God. They're for our own good. I want you to think that through. They're not arbitrary. They're for our own good. Let me, let me race through a few more of these that I just want you to think about today. Learning to love myself means learning to be thankful Learning to have a heart of gratitude in the moment. Alright, now here's the question. Wake up the neighbor beside you. Here's the question. What's wrong with this present moment? And the answer is nothing. Other than the preacher is too long. Other than that, nothing is wrong in this particular moment. We're in the presence of God. We're with people who love us. We're being reminded of what's really important. Our world's not at war. There's nobody pointing a gun at us right now. In this moment, there is nothing that's wrong. In this moment, we want to learn how to be grateful. And every moment that we live, there's always something that I can be grateful to God for. I can thank God for the day. I can thank God for my family. I can thank God for my job. I can, there's, a, there's a million things that we can be thankful for. 
thankful for the cool weather the last couple of days. I don't want it to get too much cooler, but cool weather. It's nice. I thank you. I thank you that you've created me. I thank you for the world that we live in. Thank you for this city. Thank you for the state. Thank you for the country. Thank you for the world. Thank you for sending your... I mean, it just goes on and on and on. Here's the deal. If I do not remember to be grateful in the moment and look for the good, the reverse will happen by default. I don't know why. Maybe it's just me, but there will be a default where I've been, I start to pick out things that are wrong in this world. I can tell you exactly what's wrong in my life. I can tell you what's wrong with you. I mean, I, I'm, I'm good at that. You want to know what's wrong with you? Come ask me. All right? That's a joke, by the way. But I mean, right? That's how we are. I don't want to be like that. God didn't create me for that. I want to learn to be grateful. And I learned to do that in the moment. I think this is important too. And by the way, all these points over, over a period of time, we're going to come back and we're going, we're, going to, we're going to stretch them. We're going to talk more about them. If I'm going to learn to love myself, I also need to be, listen to this, committed to a community of faith. I need to have, see, the Bible says this, iron sharpens iron. Here's what I've noticed in my life. When I get isolated and off by myself and I don't have anybody around me that loves me and cares for me and that will hold me accountable, my mind tends to go crazy. A simple example is when you and your wife have a fight, or you and your spouse have a fight, right, and you don't talk for a few days, you ever notice where your mind goes? Oh, I know exactly why she's not talking to me. I think she's planning on getting a Harley Davidson and taking off hitting the road. I know exactly what she's going to do. I know. She's going down to the bank account. And just Right? I mean, your mind goes crazy when you're in isolation. See, I, we all need people who will sharpen us, people who will encourage us, and we need people who will hold us accountable and go, that's not the direction you need to be going. You're not thinking right. What's wrong with your attitude? Which, by the way, is the concept in the Bible where it says, spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Right? When you spur a horse, now I'm not a cowboy. But here's what I suspect, okay? When I spur that horse, the horse doesn't go, oh, that feels good, let's run faster, right? No, the horse goes, I don't like that. I, I want to get away from that. And so they run faster to get away from that. Sometimes I need to be spurred on. I need somebody to put their arm around me and go, sitters, you're not going in the right direction. You're not living your life right. Your attitude is bad. And I think all of us need that, that, that community of faith. Um, oh, I don't have time for all these. We're going to come back to this one, okay? And this one. No, we've got to do this one. Um, I've got to learn to care for myself. This is level four. I love me for your sake. And I really want to encourage mothers... Those of you in ministry, those of you who burn the candle at six different ends at the same time. Here's what's going to happen at some point. You're going to burn out. You're not going to have anything left to give to other folks. I saw my mother do this. I've seen my wife do this. 
you know, when I was young, I'd come in and say, Mom, could you get me some tea? Just a simple request. I'm not getting you tea anymore for the rest of your life. And you can just go back outside and I, if you don't come home, it's okay with me tonight. Now just get! I guess mom doesn't like me asking for tea. Right? No! He burned out. She has no more to offer. She has nothing left in the tank to give. And, and, as believers in Jesus, and this is a different message that we hear. Do we need to be giving and serving and, 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 and sharing and all? Absolutely we do. Gotta learn how to care for ourselves. And that happens quite often by learning how to say no. I gotta learn to say no. I gotta learn to say no to the better things so that I'm always focused on the best things. Because I want to give to you everything I got. Less. I don't want to waste the time that I have here on this particular planet. Um, so what do we do? What what do I do about this? How do I learn to love? And I'm going to tell you, this has been a struggle for me for most of my life. I don't know if anybody else here can identify with feeling different, unable, uh, um, different than, than, than other people, less than, not able to, right? One of the reasons why we don't sign up for anything is because we don't feel like we have anything to offer. I can remember when I first started in youth ministry that I would come to church on Sunday mornings and I would teach class and I would sit in the back during worship, and as soon as it was over, I'd go home as a youth minister. Because I didn't think the parents liked me. What is there to like about me? What is there to love about me? I'm gone. People were like, where'd sitters go? I don't know. Was he at church today? Well, I hope so. You know, He's on staff here. I struggled with that. I struggled with feeling like I was loved. In other words, I'm lovable. I struggled with feelings of not being accepted. Number one, God couldn't accept me. But number two, the church, others, they won't accept me. I'm not acceptable. And the third was, I don't have any value. I don't, I don't have anything to give. I'm not valuable. And those have always been challenges for me. I'm working on these. But here's what, here's what you, you and I need to hear probably every week. That in Jesus Christ, because of Jesus, we are lovable. Because of Jesus Christ, what He's done for us, we are acceptable. And because of Jesus Christ, what He's done for us, we are valuable. And I want to find that peace. I want to find the peace of just being in Christ. And here's the way I think about it now, okay? I think you talked about the I am statements from the Gospel of John. You see, the I am statements go back to 
God with Moses. God, who will, who, who should I tell Pharaoh that you are? I am that I am. Jesus uses that phrase, I am. And I'm learning how to just be comfortable with who I am in the I am. Do I need to say that one again? I'm learning how to be comfortable with who I am. No, no. To have peace with who I am because of the great I am. That's who I am. I want to walk in a room and just be who I am. I want to have a conversation with you and just be who I am. And when I can learn to do that, I'm learning what it means to have more to give to other people. I don't have anything to hide. And I'm not running from anything. And I'm not worried about what other people think. So there's a list here. I'm not sure where it is. Which one kind of jumps on your back. But these are all challenges. We're called to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. To love others as we love ourselves. And so what I offer you today is the great I Am for you to find your place to be who you're created to be. Just be Christ's person. And know you are loved and accepted value. We're going to stand in just a moment. Just one second. We stand and sing. We do this every week. It's, a, it's called the invitation. We invite you to, if you need prayers, you come to the front and you say, you know what, that's me. I'm struggling. I've struggled with it too. That, some, that's all you need to say. I struggle with that too. Would you pray for me? Sure, we'll pray for you. You may need to give your life to Jesus to confess His name, repent of your sins, and be baptized, be immersed in water today. Say, you know what? I'm ready to start this journey with the great I Am. Man, we need help every week, every day, as we, as we continue to live here on this earth. God provides it. So listen to me. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. And be at peace with yourself. Let's stand and sing.